1: Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nellie Galan. Let's get started. So Rod Watson, incredible guy in real estate, real estate mogul. I've read about you everywhere, (laughs) in Forbes, everywhere, and I, I tracked you down because I was so fascinated by what you're doing. Yeah. In, in a time when real estate is so completely saturated it's so difficult you found a hole in a niche yeah. and i always find that incredible about an entrepreneur that we know we smell a hole when it exists yeah how did you i mean you're an athlete yourself yeah and you decided to create a business really catering to athletes and celebrities yeah. in the real estate world tell me how you got to this point and yeah. your backstory because you were an athlete yourself.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on your platform, Ellie. It's great to be here oh with my you. God, such a pleasure. Um, you know, I, to kind of give a backstory and sum up a real long story over 30 years in basketball, starting at about nine years old. And funny, funny enough, it, it, for me, it was falling in love with the game because of Michael Jordan to start with. Mm. Being around sports over the years really helped me develop. You know, communication, skills, you know, teamwork, camaraderie, all of those things. And for me, in real estate, it became a natural progression. For me, it was just really just when I identified the niche of representing athletes and entertainers, it was natural because I understood what it was like to be in that position as an athlete.
1: But let's back up a minute. So you're you're an athlete for a number of years. Yeah. And then like many athletes, because I'm going to interview a lot of athletes on the show, you have that transition period where... You're in this whole career that you've dreamt about your whole life. And then that period of your life is ending or will end. Mm -hmm. And then you have to start and go, what is it that I'm going to do? Yeah. At that moment of your life, how did you like what? How did you navigate that and come to this?
0: It was hard because, you know, you have a lot of different things that you think you should be doing. Right. Or you see other people doing things like, should I be doing this or what's natural? And I tell people, like, trust your natural instincts and for me I was attracted to real estate and it kind of resonated with me and I really at that point I was in the process of getting my master's degree and coaching basketball and I wasn't quite sure if that was the path I wanted to go but I thought like hey it all lines up you play sports you should be a coach next you like working with the players you still love the game and when I got into coaching, I realized I don't love it that much that I want to base my whole life and career around this. But real estate, as I was going through the process of getting my master's degree, I would stay up at night and study, you know, different courses or just read different books about that field. And I was like, you know what? This makes sense. I think this is something I, I want to pursue wholeheartedly. And then that's what I did. I began to pivot and focus my attention on that.
1: And do you think that th- that, that attracted you, too, because there was a lot of money in that field? Like, we- yeah. As an athlete, you're always kind of going after the money, and the money comes sometimes big or small, but comes for a period of time and then it yeah. ends. Was this something that attracted to you to the real estate area? Yeah,
0: I mean, honestly, obviously, money, the ability to have unlimited, you know, potential and earning money, right? That that was attractive. But the biggest thing for me was also having ownership, being able to own my own property, right? Being able to operate in a space where I could help other people do the same thing, that was really attractive to me. When I say the same thing, meaning own real estate, be able to be in an ownership position. So it was a combination of, hey, I can earn a lot of money and at the same time, I can help a lot of people do the same thing, own, invest, and really build long-term wealth, which is the term we hear a lot right now, right? Generational wealth, where back then it was just about figuring out what your career was gonna be. And so for me, those things were attractive. Uh, it became very clear because of my background of uh, what I've gone through growing up, where I didn't grow up around money. I didn't grow up, you know, living in one home my entire life before going off to college. Uh, my mom rented most of our lives. The only person that I saw a glimpse of ownership was my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandmother meaning on my, my, my father's mother, and then my grandfather, my mother's father. Um, He owned real estate. And so that stood out to me. and I knew that that was in my family tree, if you will. And I said, you know, how can I keep this legacy going? But in this era, this time. So that's the person
1: that you saw that looked like you that was into real estate. So you had a family member.
0: Yeah. My grandfather, he he inherited land from his his um, mother, who her mother were slaves. So they were sharecroppers. And so they they pulled up enough money that they bought money back in back then money land was real cheap and they were able to pull money together with the family and buy parcels of land. And what's funny about that is that when I went off to college we discovered that that land had oil on it. And so no. yeah, so different um like different, you know, companies started approaching my grandfather about being able to drill And pay them for the drill rights to get the drill rights exactly. And uh, around ninety six, they came to terms and agreed. And so my grandfather's been getting checks for over twenty years, you know, um, from the mineral rights, you know, on that land. And that's that that was the thing that really stood out to me again. That led me into the path of real estate because I saw one. My grandfather had a fourth grade education. He was a hard worker, but he was a sharecropper most of his life. But he didn't just settle for that. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He, he utilized his skills and his resources he was great with horses so he became a a world champion horse breeder for calf roping and cutting horses mm-hmm. he actually used his own land the store and stable horses for other people that he knew that was in his circle that were horse lovers so he was a cowboy but yet at the same time he wasn't just settling for the you know the life that had been handed to him if you will he made decisions to utilize his skills and his resources and build his little mini empire. And, um, I learned from that and realized that no matter how big or small, what you own is what you own, you know, and it's yours. And that's, that, that stood out to me. And I just said, you know, I want to continue to build on that.
1: Wow. But then you decide. And so how did you then take that and say, I'm going to go into the luxury?
0: Yeah. It was real estate it, business it, it's really I it's the experience you know I had to work ethic from seeing my grandfather even my father and other you know men that were in my life at the time of growing up that worked ethic and it was just a natural progression you know like that's that's the best I can put it it was like it was already in me to do what I'm doing so for me to take that big leap and that step forward it made sense. Right. It just it just made sense. I can't put it in a word. It was just like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And once I realized that, then I focused all my energy and effort on just being the best I can be at that.
1: And how did you end up then in California with this real estate business where you live in? I mean, California is the most expensive state. Yeah. It's not the most easy place. Uh, There's so much competition. Yeah. And you kind of, I mean, in this space, you kind of stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So how did you decide to do it here of all places? You could have done it in Texas. Yeah. You could have done it anywhere in the country. Yeah. You came to the place with the most competition to do Absolutely.
0: it. Absolutely. You know, I always like to compete with the best. So to answer that question, my wife and I both started our license in the state of Texas, Houston. So we did real estate there for about seven and a half years. And around 2009, we started discussing should we move back to California? Her and I met while I was in graduate school. In um, coaching, and so we made the decision. Yes, we want to move back. Why? Because at that point in Houston, the average sale for a home was around hundred thousand dollars back in like two thousand and you know seven or two thousand eight. So I'm like, we're doing the same amount of work. Why not go out west where there's an abundance and opportunity to sell real estate and earn as much as you can? And when you look at the breakdown of an average commission here versus Texas, it's like three to four times what you make back home. You make more here three but to four times. But it's harder to that. enter
1: this market.
0: And that was the thing we had to—that was a <laughs> learning curve, right? And that was the thing where we were like, man, we can, we can—if we can do it in Texas, we can do it out out here, right? Um, and so we we took a big leap of faith. You know, we gave up living comfortably in Texas, had a business that my wife and I was establishing and growing. We were doing a lot of distressed sales, short sales, REOs, and we were like, you know what? Let's head out west. Let's live the dream. And let's, and let's go after kids. it. At, at that time, we had two. two. We didn't have our third until we moved back. So we moved back in 2011. I started out with REMAX. And uh, really, I just put my head down and focused on, hey, I'm going to commit 10 years of giving it my best. And we'll see okay, where, and it, we'll see where it goes. Okay, do you
1: think like, I'm going to do something for 10 years because you are an athlete and you yeah. know that that's what it takes? How do you use your sports background to have the patience to have the long-distance run of a 10-year yeah. so, business that doesn't hit. So here's
0: so here's what I told myself. I said, you're going to have to make a commitment. You're going to have to sacrifice something. So like in sports, you're going to have to put in three, four weeks of training just for the opportunity to maybe play, right? Just for the opportunity to make the team. So for me, I'm like, you already have a license. This is your opportunity to put 10 years later foundation so that you can live the life that you want. So for me coming in, I knew I had to make that commitment. This wasn't gonna be a short-term thing. So I was able to turn it around. I I would think in my mind, really quickly once I got here, I established a base within five years of being able to go from knowing no one to be able to being a you know 15, 20 million dollar producer in a five year period of time. And that's really tough. But my mindset and the preparation that I've that I've been through over the years playing as an athlete helped me to prepare myself. And I think at the end of the day, it's all about mindset. Whatever you're going to set out for, you have to have the right mindset to go after those things and to be able to execute it and accomplish it. So for me, it was my mindset and telling myself, you're going to have to commit 10 years and you're going to have to sacrifice being uncomfortable for that period of time.
1: Wow. I think that's very deep. And it is... I was trying to give the best analogy where it made sense, but... It's a great analogy because I think that everybody listening can relate to that. I think... You know, I, you know cuz I you and I've talked that I started a business and for 4 years I made no money yeah. and I was desperate. Yep. Felt so sad, but I had saved money. Yeah. And I had and I had a boss who said to me, "When I was your age, I started a business and for 10 years I made no money, and in the 10th year I hit it big." And so when you say 10 years, yeah. I really relate to that because I don't think people realize you are going to make it, but it's it is going to take you 10 it's years. Take, it's yeah. not nothing is fast in life. Yeah. And I, you know, I have I'm so, uh, I'm such a fan of yours because I've gone deep into what you do Mm -hmm. and how you do it. And I don't think people know that you, how you do real estate is so different to me than how I've experienced it with other people. You very, you very much have a playbook yeah, and you're very methodical. Mm -hmm. And I know because, you know, in full disclosure, my son has shadowed you and he says Mm -hmm. to me, mom, he's so patient and he's like very calm and Zen about, we just have to do this. Yeah. And um, and so, can you talk a little bit? Because I think that playbook yeah. comes from also sports. Your sports. Yeah. So, can you talk about your playbook?
0: Yeah, I think being strategic in life has helped me get to where I am. Right. Um, meaning, sometimes cutting down learning curves by studying other people, and also you have to have a lot of patience in business. A lot of patience. I think you know that and it can attest to that. So, for me, that's my unfair competitive advantage that I choose to lean into, which is my patience, right? And understanding that you can't get emotional about things in business. I mean, you can, but if you do, those things can overwhelm you and you wind up getting spun to burnout. But if you just focus on the work, right? And not just, well, I have to spend this much time. You're going to spend that time doing something. You're either going to, it's like money. You're going to spend it on frivolous things or waste it or you're going to focus on making the right investments and so what i learned early on in life and my mom taught me this is about choosing how you spend your time is just as important how you spend your money
1: mm, That's cheap. um
0: and so i started focusing on especially as you get older how am i spending my time and what am i investing my time in what is the outcome that you want to see at 45 at 50 if you're fortunate enough to be here at 60. what things can you be doing today to set yourself up that. So for me, I always play the long game, you know, because I understand time is our greatest asset next to our health. And so I choose to invest in people and relationships, and that has opened up way more doors for me than just, you know, status or, or you know, having money, because there's times you can have money, but it can't get you into certain rooms. It's who do you know. So strategy for me has been about understanding, the right people to have in your circle, understanding when and not to make moves and being patient. And that patience has led me to be able to meet the right people for other people to rally around me to help me open doors in places I normally wouldn't have been able to get into. So it all goes back to strategy, relationships and patience for me.
1: I also I've also kind of paid attention that what, one of the things you do different is a lot of people go into real estate, you know, and they get a license mm-hmm. and they start trying to sell. Yeah. And yet I think from what I've seen you do, you reverse engineer and you talk a lot about research, Correct. about learning markets, about Correct. picking areas, Correct. about really taking the time to service your, your clients, even when they're not buying from you. Yeah. you. I have been to some of your events where you do almost like master classes with a tax expert or with kind of giving people content giving people know how knowledge without asking them to do anything. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about it's kind of a masterful way of running yeah. a business and where you got that?
0: You just said it. I mean, the thing you're touching on is, you yeah, the, the thing you're touching on is really I think overlooked a lot when you get into real estate. You mean my wife was just talking about this cuz she just got her license a year ago but here in California it's easy to get the license, but then once you get the license, no one tells you really what the heck you're supposed to be doing, right? And the funny thing is in this industry, I think it's actually set up backwards. What they teach you is how to prospect, how to cold call, right? How to how to go mail. But what you should be learning how to do is how to operate a business with systems and processes and how to market. Because I don't give a dog on how great of a salesperson you are if you're not getting in front of people. Or if you don't have the relationships to get you in front of people or a business being referred to you, then you're not going to close deals. You're not going to have very much success in business. And then the flip side to that is if you don't have systems to help you operate your business, right, to help you, for, to help you plan ahead for how you're going to spend your money marketing, how you're going to spend your time in business development, building relationships, right, how you're going to spend time on the sales and prospecting side, no one teaches you that. So you get in a business running around like a chicken with your head cut off, and the focus is sales, commissions, sales, commissions when it should be how to operate a business, business development, how to build relationships, how to market, how to be strategic with your marketing, right, and how to have a sound value proposition that disrupts or resonates with the target audience you're trying to reach out to or connect with in the marketplace. No one teaches you that. And how do you learn these things? You got to get in an environment where people are doing it, You got to do your own research and development, which I spend a lot of my money and time doing. Research and development is researching the competition, researching, understanding the market, the data, the analytics, understanding what is driving people. What are people buying? What are people willing to spend, you know, money on or a, a lot of money on? Right. You have to make that investment and learn these things when you get in this business. And what people are being pushed to do is just sell when they get in and they have no clue how to do any of the things I just talked to you about. And there is no class to teach you on it. So for me.
1: That's another business for you.
0: That's another business. So for me, I took those things seriously. You did. And I never rushed through that process where a lot of other people, they never really set up a business. They just go out and operate from a sales standpoint. And you and I know the difference between someone who's operating a business and someone who's just out to get the commission check. Right? And so what I focused on is service first stand behind what you're providing, the service you're providing, be consistent, be honest, be upfront, and know your shit, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, know your shit, you know, and that's, that's important. That's half the battle, but that is equally as important as all the other things that I've just shared with you is knowing your shit, knowing what's going on. I
1: think the other thing that really stood out for me about you is that you're, you know, you've also picked a niche within a niche, right? Which, You know, it's like I come from a TV background where if you make a network about everything, you do nothing. And you've got to find who is your audience, right? But you picked an audience that is very exact uh, and that I think a lot of, you know, big real estate companies completely didn't even think existed. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're dealing with minorities Mm -hmm. that are athletes or celebrities that are high net worth. Yeah. And you have created a business that is not only a real estate business, but a concierge business. Mm -hmm. And so can you explain that?
0: Yeah, well, being here on the West, this is by far the most competitive real estate market you can be in, as you touched on. And I wanted to transition from just traditional sales into luxury, and I thought, how am I gonna do this? 99.9% of the people out West who own homes, especially in the luxury market, don't look like me. Or don't identify with my culture, where I come from, right? However, what I also looked at is who do I know that are in these spaces that look like me, that can't afford these homes, or in my network if they don't look like me that I could develop a poor relationship with. And so what I focused on was that it was a natural progression. Being a former athlete, I had an unfair competitive advantage in the marketplace. And so I said, lean into that. That's going to be what opens the door for you to eventually to sell the high-end homes. And once you prove yourself in that space, no one can argue your ability, your competency, your knowledge, right? Because to land a client like a LeBron James or Kevin Durant, I can name all the big-name athletes you know that are out there. We can go on. There's a long list. But to get those type of clients, you have to have relationships. You got to know your shit. You got to be competent, right? And you got to be an all-around professional So I understood strategy, if I can penetrate that niche market, it's gonna open up the door for me in the luxury space. And so with that being said, I've said it before, it was a natural progression because I already had those relationships that other people didn't have. That big companies have to spend hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to get access to. I had that because over 30 years, I spent that time developing relationships with key people in the overall basketball world, college, high school, the NBA. Um, Those relationships turned out to be something that down the road, I didn't realize when I was young, but it became my leverage to be able to open this door to what I'm doing today. So for me, it was right there in front of me. I just had to put the pieces together and then be confident in myself and build a brand and build my name around servicing that niche. And that's what I did. And
1: so the concierge part of it came from what? What what was the, the learning that you had? that you realize it's bigger than just selling one thing. It's like kind of a well-rounded relationship with our clients.
0: Yeah. it's Service at the end of the day is giving people what they want, right? And I understood that the clientele that I was going after after expected service, quality service. And um, I think the best thing you can do other than listening and hearing and understanding people is serve. And I wanted a business where people not only had a great experience, they wanted to tell other people about it. And I studied some of the top brands like Lexus, which I worked for, Porsche, uh, Land Rover, Jaguar, and looked at how those brands service their clients. And so I took what those brands are known for, which is consistency, quality product, quality service, and standing behind that and just implemented it into what I'm doing today. And so I saw the importance of being able to stand out. Something as simple as answering your phone or responding to a text in a timely manner or an email or doing what you say you're going to do, I found was very challenging for a lot of people in business or just in life. And that became my unfair competitive advantage was to lean into that and use that as my, um, how can I put it, my flag, if you will, to say, hey, you know, when you work with Rob Watson, not only is it going to be a great experience, it's going to be great service. And so for me, I felt that that was an important ingredient that had to be a part of our business because people are going to remember how you treat them and they're going to remember how you make them feel. And so when people come in contact with us, meaning myself and our team, I overemphasize the importance of getting to know people and building genuine relationships because at the end of the day, that's what's going to open the door for more opportunities to meet new people and then sell more real estate.
1: So when you have a client, let's say an athlete, Mm -hmm. that gets traded and they come to live in Los Angeles, and what what I hear you say, and you tell me if this is right, and you realize they're not going to need a house. They might need a car. They might need a nanny. Mm-hmm. They might need help. Mm-hmm. You're you're there to say how can I serve you Correct. in a round. Even though yes, of course, you're in real estate, but you're kind of servicing this person Correct. with all your contacts. Yep. And I know because uh, you've invited me. You do events with content. You mm-hmm. you try to do events where you you're not asking for anything. You're introducing your relationships and your Um, your customers to each other but you're also bringing some kind of knowledge like i went to a tax event with you that by the way which was incredible that i thought no one's ever taught me as a latina woman and i think i'm pretty goaded about my son always (laughs) says you're goaded about (laughs) taxes and then you brought a guy that made me feel like i'm an idiot (laughs) and we're gonna have him on the podcast because he's so great so you're bringing uh aspirational information Mm -hmm. to people that ordinarily are not in the game yeah why did you think that was important?
0: Value, right, and also leverage. And I understand in the market, we're in here in LA, everybody knows someone. And when I've sat back and watched high level people operate, people aren't impressed by not only just what you do, but it's it's being able to be in rooms with other people that inspire them, other people that know more, other people that are striving to do better, be better. And so what I wanted to do is build a community of people like us, like-minded people who are there to support each other. Hey. Who do you know that can help me with A, B, C, D? Hey, I know the perfect person. And you know that when Rod Watson sends you a referral or someone that can help you, that person's solid, right? I wanted to build that type of a network. And so I saw the opportunity to do that and to be that. And when you talk about professional athletes and high net worth people and the way that they move, for me, people at the end of the day, at that level, making money is what they're good at. Keeping it, that's the challenge. And how do you keep it? Right. And, and what advantages do you have available to you to help you do that through taxes? You know, at the end of the day, it's not just how much we make, it's what we can keep and how we're able to keep that and then take that money and invest it into other opportunities that's going to help us grow our wealth. And so I saw the value in that and I saw that that was a great. And you found a great person. I found a great person that's in our network that I've built a relationship with. And I saw it as a way of leverage to open more doors, to create more opportunities for everyone that comes in contact with Julio. If I can help you save money in your business, right, going today and going forward, what does that do for our relationship down the road? Now, you may not say, hey, Rod, I need to invest this money today, but you may call me 12 months from now and say, hey, I need you, right? You know, and that is why I do what I do is to help other people succeed and be successful at what they're doing in life. And so I'm like that same guy that I was on the basketball court, just passing out assists. You know what I mean? Like, I'm on my way to a career level in assists, helping others, helping others, helping others. That's what I do. And I'm good at that. And I know that. And that's what's led me to be where I am today is being willing to give, being willing to help other people succeed before myself. And if I can bring more value to the people that are in my life, that's what we're here for. I mean, at well, the end of the day,
1: you're very exceptional, and it's it's just really been great getting to know you. Yeah. I think that also from a from a minority point of view, to see someone sort of reflect out a, a, an audience for real estate that everyone else has ignored. Yeah. I think there is this uh, preconceived notion that maybe black people and Latinos aren't the best customer for real estate. Mm-hmm. We know all the, you know, stereotypes that we get profiled in, in communities. And yet, like for instance, for Latinos, uh, you know, a statistic just came out that when a Latino buys a house, they're the last people that default on a house. Yeah. Um, I love that you started in the luxury business because that is so aspirational, mm-hmm. but I think it just made me very proud to see someone operating like you, yeah. um, and realizing what a huge business it is to go after minorities that right. have not been given that attention yeah. in real estate before, and it's made you stand out.
0: Absolutely, representation matters, right? Mm-hmm. In everything that we do, and I try to emphasize that, you know, especially when talking to the young generation. Um, they're, they're, they're up now, used to be their next up, now they're up. Your son, they're up. My daughter, who's 18, they're up. The future is here for them right now. And them being able to see people that look like them in this space operating at a high level is necessary, and I understood that. And I understood I wasn't just representing myself and my family, I was representing a lot of people, men and women that look like me, brown people, people from unfortunate situations to let them know You know, I may not be at the highest of the high, but I'm among the highest of the high by being in this space and planting my flag and making a commitment to be the best that I can be. And so, again, that representation, being able to be in a market where you know you stand out and eyes are on you, is just like when I play sports. Everybody's looking to see what is he going to do next, right? Is he going to make that big shot? You know, is he going to win the championship? I feel like I'm still playing the game. It's just in a different way, if that makes sense. Beautiful. And with that being said, I understand the responsibility that comes with that, meaning that there are other people that do look up to me, that reach out to me. So I try to make myself available to answer questions, to inspire others, not just in my words, but in my action and the level of work. And it takes a lot of hard work and consistency to be at the level that I'm at. And I'm striving to get to the next level, which is, you know, selling 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar homes. But it, as you know, you don't do that overnight.
1: No, we have to have we have to have the patience to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think back for myself, you know, that I wrote in my book, don't buy shoes, buy buildings. And I really believe in, in buying buildings, but not because I ever saw someone that looked like you or me to tell me it's because I worked for these billionaires by accident. And I saw that they cared about their primary business, but they spent most of their time buying real estate. Mm -hmm. And one of my bosses said to me, (laughs) you know, um, when you, when you make money, you know, buy, buy buildings because yeah. uh, that's what's going to take you to the end of your life. You got to make money while you sleep. And at the time, I didn't know what that <laughs> meant, but I know that that's the answer for us. This is one asset class. Yeah. There's many asset classes, but it's one that I believe in, even though the last couple of years, it hasn't been easy.
0: Real life monopoly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like- but I can't let you go without asking you some questions sure. for people listening in terms of right now it's very hard times. We Mm -hmm. live in California. California is very hard right now for real estate. So many taxes, so many laws against landlords. Uh, The country's, you know, in in, in the beginning of a recession, Mm -hmm. inflation is horrible. Is this a bad time to buy real estate? Is, what would you, what are the top, uh, takeaways you have even for young people. And is would you start in an LA or in a New Yorker or, or should we go find emerging cities around the country where you can still get in?
0: Well, I would say this, it's never a bad time to buy or sell real estate. You have to study the market, know the market and understand. You also have to know your position, right? Are you liquid to withstand bad times? Do you have 12 months, 24 months, 36 months? There are people out there that do. And if you're not one of those people, it may not be the right time to buy real estate. Is your job stable? Is your career in which you do stable? Obviously with big tech companies and a lot of these larger companies that are laying mass layoffs, that's impacting people's outlook on the future. But I would say to people, step back, take a deep breath. Look at the numbers. Steady California overall, right? Yes, California typically gets hit the hardest in a recession. You see price values. The report just came out. We've seen around 10% price drops in the last year. However, if you look at the history of California, California swings back harder and faster than any other state, pretty much any other place in the world. So I personally, living here, selling for over 20 years, I think California still, is always, and will be a tried and true place to invest money. Example, last 12 months, there were over $700 million sales right here in Los Angeles County. Four or five of those was in Malibu, okay? Billionaires aren't parking $100 million in the state of California without doing their research and development and understanding the market and where the future of the market. There's a lot of money still coming into California with tech Right. Soon we're going to have clean energy, all of these things. So I tell people, be patient, be patient. Look at the numbers. California still is a sure bet to me to invest money. You just have to understand the markets and where you're looking to purchase. Right. And why and what is your exit strategy? And if you're getting into it for a quick buck, then I would say California, let alone real estate anywhere, isn't the best time or the right place. Real estate is a long term play. If you look at some of your most successful entrepreneurs that have invested in real estate, they've made their money typically over a seven to 10 year period of time, not three to two.
1: Or even 20.
0: Or even I would 20.
1: Say, I, I tell everybody, I've made five times the money in real estate than I have in my primary careers. Correct. But the last three years, had I not had money saved, I would have lost my buildings. Yeah. So it isn't like, you know, it's not a freebie. Correct. <laughs> like, and, you know, and I made that money over 20 years. Yeah. So- and I, and, and I started in pre-construction, you know, by, and that's something we should talk about for young people. Absolutely. Because if you follow, right, if you yep. follow where Amazon yep. is going to have fulfillment centers or where there yep. are jobs or where there yep. are metros yep. in any state in the country.
0: Well, and you brought up something. What I would say to young people is if your job is stable or your income is stable and you're an entrepreneur and your business is doing really well, and like I said, you've got cash, you've got reserves, and you're in it for the long haul, meaning you you can purchase and you can stay in that property for three to five or seven or more years, then it does make sense to buy. Steady the markets and get in while the market is soft. This is the opportunity to negotiate and get the best possible deal that you can get as opposed to two years ago where you would have been competing with 7, 8, 10, or 20-plus offers, and you would have had to pay above list price. That time has passed. We're at a time now where sellers are motivated, and I think this is an opportunity to get into the market. Don't be so rate conscious, even though rates are important, and obviously that determines affordability for a lot of people. However, if you can't afford it and get in, rates are still historically low. When I bought my first property in 2006, we were at six and a quarter, and that was considered a paper. You can always refinance when rates refinance, drop. Yeah. Look at where rents are. Rents are continually going up on average 5 to 8% a year. That's not going to stop. You get a fixed interest rate, that's locked in. So from an affordability standpoint, I still think it makes sense to own unless you're looking at other asset vehicles where you're financially secure and you can put that money to work but if you're someone young in today's market and you have the income you've got the credit leverage that get into a property and start building wealth
1: let me ask you a question since you deal with so many athletes we've we've heard traditionally how athletes make so much money and then they end up completely broke later in their life and so many minorities have had these issues um how important for you is financial literacy and really as part of what you do really teaching people what to do with their money so that it's not a shot in the pan people that makes that can make so much money and then end up with nothing mm-hmm. to build that what we started talking about that that wealth that that family legacy mm-hmm. How do we do that?
0: I think it's about sharing information really Our wealth is about information it's not just about the money because you can have the money and you see, second and third generation squander wealth away, right? Very few families have been able to successfully go beyond two or three generations when it comes to money. So I think it's about the knowledge and information. We talk about financial literacy. You hear that buzzword now a lot. When we grew up, no one was talking about money. No one was talking about, like they, a dirty no, one word. Was, no one was even having these types of like conversations. It a dirty word exactly. in, in our communities to yeah. about money. No one was having these conversations. So what I think for people like you and I who have had our impact in society is to keep growing, but also sharing the information. Um, connecting with people who also can help enhance our knowledge, AKA Julio helps provide more information in taxes that you weren't aware of or maybe privy to. Now I'm meeting other people that can help me provide more value back to my clients in that way. So I think it's really about spreading the wealth and that wealth is information and connecting with others that are sharing that information and making sure that we're taking the time to really understand what, even building wealth really is, and, and what that looks like, because it's different for everybody. You know, for you, it may be a certain type of lifestyle on a beach, you know, once you well, reach 55. I tell 55. people, you could
1: retire with $50,000 or $40,000, yep. and in some cities in America, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So <clears throat> it's not like everybody doesn't have to think grandiose Correct. about what is wealth, Correct. right? It's a different, wor- it's a different yeah. amount for everybody. Yeah.
0: To me, I think it really comes down to you know, how you view yourself in, in the world you want to live in. Wh- wh- wherever, wh- wherever you are, whatever age you are, being able to create that and share that with people you love, your family, right? Be able to have something that you can control as far as land, what you do with that land, owning assets, seeing those assets produce passive income um, in a way that it provides a comfortable or stable lifestyle for you and your family. Um, I think, to me, that... That is wealth at the end of the day. And being able to maintain that and share that with your family and see that move on beyond just you. Um, ideally, I think a lot of people would uh, would love to do that. But as you know, it takes work. It takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. And it takes the time to apply yourself to be able to create that. And that's a challenge. Let's just be honest. A, a lot of people want things really quick and fast.
1: Well, and the discipline to get up every day. Yes. You know, I, 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 I wanted to ask you, when, when you're in real estate, you might sell one, two, five, ten, whatever you sell a year. Yeah. There's a lot of loss. Absolutely. There's a lot of times when you <laughs> have to still get up. Yep. And act as if, you know, you're going to sell something today. Yeah. You're going to make money today. But I relate to it only because I come from a TV background mm. where you sell a TV show and maybe you sell a show every three years and you make a boatload of money. But the other three years, you're kind of working on 20 shows mm-hmm. and maybe none of them go. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't, if you don't have the discipline to get up every day like it's urgent, yes, and also keep going, and also manage your money in those three years, mm-hmm. you're gonna lose.
0: Yep, you said something very clear: discipline, money management, right, and how you manage your time, right. Those are three very key components around what we're talking about. That you have to bring that to the table to even have a shot. That's right. You you have to. It's not even a. It's not even up for debate.
1: No. I am just first of all very proud of you and very impressed by you and how you live your life because I I do think what you do everybody can talk a lot of people talk but it's how you live your life and how other people you're right how you make people feel and how people take in that you're congruent your actions and your words are congruent yeah and I find that very masterful and I think of you as a masterful money maker.
0: I appreciate that. I think the same, both the same, I think the same for you and um, you're very much someone that I'm inspired by. Um, You know, when you look at what it takes to succeed, like you talked about, there's gonna be those periods where you have your success, it's like an artist. You have a hit record and then you may not have another hit record ever, or you may not have another one for two, three, four years down the road. And you have to be able to manage that money. You gotta be able to manage that time. And you have to deal with a lot of losses like you talked about. And uh, people don't see all of the losses that I'm sure you've endured, that I've endured uh, to be here. That is the thing. You have to be able to endure those losses. Well, and, and I think <laughs> our,
1: I, all our young people too, I, you know, I, I say this to my son every day. I go, you know, making a TV show sounds very glamorous. Yeah. Maybe 5% of it is glamorous. Yeah. And 95% of it is the back of the house, Correct. right? It's the accounting. It's the legal. Yep. It's having saying I can't. I just can't send something to a lawyer. I have to do most of the work yeah. because I don't want that to spend that money. It's being so mindful. It's the business side. And learn. Yep. And it's and you know and you have to fall in love with it.
0: Yep. And that's amazing. So what I want to say is give you, you know, acknowledgement around the body of work that you've done as well. And, you know, even creating a platform like this for someone like myself to be able to sit here today with you and just have this conversation means a lot. So I'm very much appreciative of that. And uh, you inspire me as well. All
1: oh, right. Thank you. Yep. My little moneymaker over <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs>